President Trump, the first question is for you. How would you lead the country during this next stage of the coronavirus crisis? 2.2 million people expected to die. They will soon be gone. But that's okay because I'm immune. So we don't have to worry about it. Former Vice President Biden, to you, how would you lead the country out of this crisis? You hear nothing else I say tonight. Hear this. You're dead. Don't worry. It's all going to be over soon. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just die with it. Come on. Come on. Now. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Come on. We're dying with it. Just die with it. You're going to die, so don't worry about it. So don't worry about it. Come on. feel like that out there does anyone just feel like ugh? Uh, maybe it's me i don't know maybe it's this like these five coffees i keep drinking expecting to like get any motivation right now <laughs> is there anyone out there who's a recovering <laughs> drug user <laughs> and they drink coffee expecting to get results i'm drinking this starbucks like oh yeah i'm motivated to do shit I just, it's like you have to take a shit and your heart's racing. That's awesome. No, I'm just kidding. Or maybe I'm sour because there's this little thing that's been going on. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, they're electing, you know, this, some these bullshit politicians as president and everyone's f- won't shut the fuck up about it. God damn. You know, I don't want to rant about the shit. <laughs> but I don't know. I'll I'll so let me sum it up in in a very popular uh, song. You might have heard it. it. Goes a little something like this. Let's get out and vote. Let's make our voices heard. We've been given the right to choose between a douche and a turd. It's democracy in action. Put your freedom to the test. A big fat turd or a stupid douche. Which do you like best? Yeah. Um, yeah. If for anyone wondering out there, big surprise. I don't really support either what a candidate or what, what the... F- I don't know. I think I've uh, <laughs> I've been like researching way too much my nihilistic like perception. And it's starting to make sense. With that said, I got... I'm here. I'm recording. Unk, I'm trying to record the, the final part three of this. So... Um, I've been putting this whole part three episode off because it, I hate telling the story. It's really just dumb and it's shit I'm dealing with now. And it's like, I constantly have to deal with doctors and get checked up and talked about this whole thing that's been happening with me. So it's just like, so I'm just so over it. It's so played out in my mind, but I have to finish this so I can move on. I have another episode I'm trying to do. We tell stories about, robbing drug dealers. Um, I'm trying to get my other friend on who he has a story about how he burned down a house. He burned down his parents' house while he was like high on goofballs. And, uh, 
and stuff like that. You know, good quality content. It's been really hard because I've been going through old episodes and shelving recordings of people who talked about really incriminating shit. Like, I can't, I, I'm not even going to talk about it, but like, it's really incriminating shit that you don't want on a podcast and people would, you know, people get excited about it and then they record and then a couple of days later, they're like, yeah, you got to delete that. That's, that's my life. That's my freedom on the line. And that's what, I don't know. That's a major problem about this podcast is some stories aren't just like, oh yeah, I got so fucked up. No, these stories, you, a lot of them are, you know, people get involved in trafficking or gang activity or violence and, um, yeah, you know, that's frowned upon, I guess. So yeah, we, some of the, a lot of the, you have, you have no many, you got, don't have any idea how many times I've had people come in, tell the craziest story ever, and then I can't release it and they're gone <laughs> and trash, trash icon, they go deleted. Um, so I got to finish this stupid story. This is probably the craziest part of the story um, because this involves my surgery and then them like trying to get me on all these pills uh, and then me trying to get out of the fucking hospital like institution. Um, I think, okay, so where we left off last was I got out of the ICU. I got out of the intensive care unit and now I'm on the general floor of the hospital. Um, basically, I didn't really know what was going to happen next. I just knew this crazy shit happened. I had a stroke. And, you know, they they were putting, like, blood thinners in my IV and keeping me hydrated with, I don't know, saline and fucking my IV and giving me that on top of um, m making sure, like my blood clotting or is, is or blood thinning is not too much of this or that. And so I'm on all this stupid shit. And then they are like, Oh, well your potassium's low. They give me potassium on my IV. You know how it is in the hospital, but, um, they're trying to do some more things and testing to see what's the deal with my ulcerative colitis. Cause at this point I'm still like at night shitting up blood, you know, Still, um, but then, you know, when you're, I'm on the general floor, it's like, I have my own room with a door that opens and closes. And, um, cause in ICU, you, you kind of have a room, but it's like, a, the, there's no door. It's like an open space with like a curtain and you're, you can pretty much see everyone else when you look out at it. So, but this one, I have a little more privacy at my own bathroom. It's not a pull out like toilet, like last time. And so I'm in there and I'm still like at night, I'm like in the morning too. I'm just like, ugh, shit, blood. It's just looking at it in the toilet bowl is disgusting. Uh, graphic warning, but <laughs> I've been talking about bloody shit this whole episode. Um, anyway, so I'm in there and they're still like checking and make, t testing my hemoglobin. If I need a, another blood transfusion, they give it to me and all this monitoring to make sure I'm okay. So... I think the doctor comes in one day. Oh, yeah. Hold on one sec. Sorry. Oh, and mind you, I'm still being offered uh, pain pills. Uh, I think it was like hydrocodones at that point. 
They're they're offering me opiates for the pain of shitting blood. And I'm still so on the fence about it. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like texting friends um, and, you know, calling my sponsor. I'm like, what should I do? And, you know, two thirds out of everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, And so then comes this point where they want to do a a colonoscopy. I've talked about my (laughs) first colonoscopy. Uh, This one was my second. And... They wanted to go in there and just take a look at the inflammation inside me. And so um, I had to do, I had to fast uh, or I had to go on a, a liquid diet for like 24 hours, just eating or not, you know, just drinking chicken broth and jello and just eating popsicles is awful. Not to mention, um, you know, I go through the 24 hours the next morning, nurse comes in, I have... And she just hands me a giant drink that you have to drink before the colonoscopy. And it tastes, I've, I've drink, I've drinking these drinks before and they're really bad. But this one was like, it was large. It was, it was a lot. And so uh, it, I can't describe the taste. It's undescribable. It, it's u- so unique in its own realm, but it's fucking horrible. And it's not, it's, it's thick. It's not like drinking a Gatorade or something, you're drinking, it's fucking so gross. It's like gelatin almost, watery gelatin with the hospital taste. It's so god awful. So after a couple, I take a couple chugs, take a couple breaks, and finally I just get, I'm like, fuck this. I drink and get the rest of it down. I'm like, dude, I'm not drinking anymore that I'll throw the fuck up. And so then she's like, oh, good, you drank it. And then she goes around and hands me, a fucking, um, it's like a bottle with a, that is just stuff to stick up in my ass and squirt this, this shit in my butt. And I'm just like, God damn, this thing is big. The tube is big. It's, it's longer than like what I'm acquainted to <laughs> having up my ass. And, uh, and I'm like, fuck, and this big bottle of like white creamy liquid. I'm like, oh God, it, this this is, this is a horrible day. So then, and you have to do it right. So I get on my side and I'm like fiddling around with it in my ass. And you have to get it, you have to get the little tube at the right angle of your butthole. So it slides in with the least amount of discomfort. And I do so. And then I like squeeze the bottle. and I feel like cold hospital, weird colonoscopy liquid in my ass. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. And then I fucking slide it out. And by this time, I'm just like so miserable from like shitting blood. And all the whole hospital experience had been like almost like week three. I'm stuck there, you know, can't escape. So I'm like almost just crying. <laughs> I put this thing in my ass and afterwards, I'm just like crying. I'm just like, ugh. And finally, um, my gastroenterologist comes in with an assistant. And I think with a possible surgeon who, because they were looking at surgery options. And so they're, they're trying to put me under for this colonoscopy. They give, they give me fentanyl. I guess every time they give a colonoscopy, they give you fentanyl. But they were real pussies about it. <laughs> Either that or my tolerance. I'm pretty sure from other things that have happened, my tolerance to opiates are through the roof. So they give me this fentanyl, which is like, it's probably just an average dose. 
and I'm like, I don't like it hurts less, but you're, I still, it hurts you, you putting a camera in my ass. The first time they gave me like a good amount of fentanyl, they gave me something for like, it was like a benzo of some sort. I was, it was like the perfect combo. I was like, all right, I feel good. Um, anyway, <laughs> this time they is like, they are, they're being pussies about dosing me. And I was like, I feel, felt like they're holding out. I'm like, God, dude, this is the amount of fentanyl you're giving me with all the shit you're putting in my ass. Really? And, uh, and I'm still awake for it. And I'm like crying while there's a camera in my ass. <laughs> Cause I'm just so tapped out. I'm like, fuck this dude. I'm so over it. And so they get it out and they've looked at out all the insides they want to look at. I think this is the type of colonoscopy. They really just go into the, they don't go all the way in like down your intestines. They just go in the colon. It's like they're sticking their head in and taking a little quick peep. Like, well, what does butthole look like? And so they do that and they leave and they, they get all the results on their database or whatever. And they, they, people like one by one, different nurses, different people in the hospital are coming to talk to me and they're like, yeah, we looked at it and you're, intestine is like super fucking inflamed like it's is bad we think it's pretty much stuck stuck in remission you know everything we've given you all the steroids and stuff they, they don't they're not working the inflammation's not going down and it's bad like you need to get they're like you, you really should go into surgery and that's what we're suggesting and i'm like oh whatever dude um and so it's a big operation. They're explaining like the one person comes in and explains me this whole surgical operation and, um, it's broken down into th not one, but three separate surgeries, which like over the course last entire year. And I was like, well, fuck dude, that's pretty major. You know, I've had surgery before and I've had my testicle removed. Only one of them. I'm still, I'm still a good ladies. So I can have kids, but just if you're wondering, but it's like, this is like way more intense than what I'm used to, especially at my age. You know, I'm like, fuck, this is like something, tw someone twice my age would have to undergo. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? So I'm like, well, I need they and they want an answer too. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm going to need like a day or two to like decide this is cause I, part of me is like, I need to get the fuck out of here. I'm thinking I have to get the fuck out of here and get on with my life. This has been way too crazy. I came in for, uh, just to see what's wrong. And then I get going for some blood transfusions and I, all this shit, it happens afterwards. So I'm like, Oh, so I'm taking my time, taking a couple days. Cause they're still monitoring me. They don't want to like release me at this point. Cause they're still checking to make sure any clotting has gone down or whatever the fuck is wrong with my insides. And so, and, and during this time, mind you, this whole time, this whole fucking time, the weeks that I've been in here, I do not have my fucking vaporizer. Thank you. Hold on one second. Good God. So check this shit out. Uh, before I went into the ER, I thought, cause I was getting out of breath. Right. And I didn't know what was causing it. I was like, all right, I'm going to just tell my, tell someone, my roommates or my parents, I'm like, just get rid of my vaporizer. I'm going to quit vaping or smoking or, you know, no nicotine. 
because maybe vaping is like causing this whole downfall. Um, so I go in and then the whole issue happens. It's been like almost three weeks. I have hadn't, hadn't vaped once. So at this point, I, I really, my days consist of just chilling in my room, watching TV, playing on my phone and talking to doctors and uh, therapists or speak, you know, physical therapists, speech therapists, all this, sh all this shit. And so it finally occurs to me. I'm like, well, shit, dude, I need my vape. And I'm trying to figure out how to get, how to get it. I, I, t I had two attempts I made to have people smuggle in my vape. First attempt, I had my roommate, Zach, try and put my vape in my backpack with my laptop and my mic. I was going to try. I did my one podcast from the hospital and I was like, all right, you got to sneak in. We have to go in and, you know, give them my backpack, say this is for me and put it in one of my hide in like secret pockets because I have a backpack with a shit ton of pockets. So they get, you know, he does. He gives the backpack to the front desk. They give it to security. Security searches through my whole goddamn backpack. Like just rapes my backpack. He comes in and he's like, well, we ha someone came and gave you some things. We, had we have to go through it. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And they go through it and he, <laughs> there was like a pair of scissors in my backpack, like just regular office scissors. Like, well, we have to take this and, uh, we have to, we have to take this, but what, what is it? Is this a weed vaporizer? And like, he looked and there's a, my, my vapes in a fucking plastic bag and there's bottles of juice. I'm like, uh, can I look at it and see what it is? Cause he wouldn't show it to me. And so I look at, he, I'm like, dude, just, sh I'm not going to fucking take a vaporizer. I'm locked in this hospital. Just show it to me. I don't have to fucking hold it. And he's just being, he's like one of those security guards who way too serious about his job and like just fucking lays the fucking power trip down. And so I'm like, dude, that's a nicotine vaporizer. It's not a weed vaporizer. Like he's like, well, you can't have that in the hospital. So I have to, whatever it is. Cause he kept trying to in, like insinuate this is a fucking weed vaporizer. I'm like, dude, drug test me like that. And to, to get a field test kit for that, it's a fucking nicotine vape juice. You stupid fuck. How the fuck are you security guard? And you think that's a fucking, ugh. anyway, so my one attempt to get my vaporizer shambles. And so I'm like, fuck security's got my vape. Next I call another friend and cause I noticed I have a window and, uh, I finally found a way to get it open, but it only opens an inch. And I was like, all right, I need you to go outside my window and, and hand me my vape. Cause my window is out looking this like terrace or something where people go out and eat outside. And I'm thinking, Oh, my friend could just walk right in, jump the little river river bed and hand me my vape. Apparently there's like this big old fence with like cameras. And my friends are like, yeah, dude, I was thinking about hopping in the fence to get to you, but I, I'm not trying to get like arrested. Cause I don't really know what the charge is for that. Uh, it's probably pretty serious. Like breaking into a hospital during COVID. Um, so both times I don't have my vaporizer. So I'm like irritated as fuck three weeks. No nicotine. I didn't, I didn't have no physical withdrawal or anything, but it's like, I'm like annoyed, <laughs> annoyed. Cause I'm trapped in here and all I can do is watch shitty cable TV and try and talk to the outside world on my phone. And so 
the next day and a half or next day, I'm be being uh, bombarded and harassed by nurses or different doctors or different staff at the hospital in different departments about I need to get surgery. So, and they don't fucking tell people like they need to get surgery or something. They go in with like three people and they stand like circled around you and they're all like just like one person's talking, telling you like this and that. And the other people are just standing there and they don't say shit. They just uh, observe you. And so you feel like, I don't know about you, but for me, I felt like this stupid fucking lab rat that they were like practicing their doctrine on, or I don't know, like taking test results on me. Like, Oh, well he reacted this way. And this is it's like, what the fuck dude? And it gives, it gives, it gave me anxiety. I'm just like, dude, can you not all just like be standing around me? I'm only having a conversation with one fucking person. You guys don't have any input. Obviously you're just standing there and staring at me. Can I just like not feel like, I don't know. It's, it's like an intimidation process that or tactic that they're, I felt they were using. So I was just like, what the fuck dude? Like, don't like this. Was, and I've had this experience before people try to pressure or doctors, something pressure you into treatment or pressure you into surgery or something. And you know, the first time I went through that where my balls or my, one of my testicles was taken from me, they tried to like scare me into getting chemo. And I was no, fuck you. I'm not doing that. And I've had this whole, I've explained this shit in the past, so I won't get into it, but I felt the exact same way. They're just really trying to push uh, surgery on me. And, uh, I was just like thinking like how much commission or whatever are you getting paid by my insurance company to make you like a cheap car salesman? Like you're pushing this shit on me. So I was really weighing my options. Right. <clears throat> and finally I thought about it and I was just like, okay, well fuck. I'm stuck in here. Then just like, this is the cards I'm dealt. Like bring on the stupid fucking surgery. You know, I'm just like, at this point, I was like, well, I could go back to work and deal with <laughs> fainting and cracking my head open on the ground some more, or, you know, this eventually, who knows what not taking care of this will do to me. I was pretty convinced, like, I could just get the surgery and I'll, I'll be a lot better off. Basically what I thought at the time, right? So, I finally had a meeting with my surgeon. She's a total sweetheart. I had the one person out of anybody in the hospital. She was like, always has had my back and my best interest and helps me out where I felt like all these other nurses were just like playing their own egos with how they did, did things. It was just stupid. So, um, <laughs> they're like, all right, we're, I had to sign some papers and they're, give me these little pamphlets to read about this whole surgery surgical like process, which I'll get into later. And they had it scheduled for, I don't know, the, f the following day or a day and a half from then. So I had one more day to like prepare myself and, uh, which, you know, what the, f how the fuck do you prepare yourself for, you know, something like that? It's, you, you can only do so much. So, the time eventually came and uh, I get, you know, I pack all my the shit I had in that room that was mine 
and I get moved into the third floor, which is the uh, surgery floor. So they put my shit in there, and then I go get into um, that's the surgery room is like the room where I'll be recovering from post surgery, and then I get they drop my shit off, <clears throat> and I go to where they're gonna operate on me. And so I have my fucking little gown on. Uh, my ass is hanging out because they don't, don't want socks or underwear on. <laughs> and uh, I'm nervous as fuck. Like, because I, I hadn't had surgery in a fucking forever. Not only that, but this is like the biggest operation I've had on me. And, you know, shit can, you know, no one can give you 100% like the surgery is going to go amazing. It's always, there's always a risk, like something could go wrong or, you know, who knows? Like I, I've had fears that, doctor would like give you the gas and you wouldn't be all the way out. So you'd be just awake enough to feel like the scalpel cutting you open, but just gassed out enough to where you can't move or scream. So you're just sitting, you know, just horrible, dark, twisted shit going on in my head. And so anyway, they get me up there, they get me all prepared and they're giving me, you know, this and that, um, before the surgery, I don't, I forget what, so finally they get me into the room and they, they transfer me from the gurney or whatever to the operating table. And, uh, they give me the gas stuck into my face. And I swear it was like 30, 45 seconds. I was like, dude, thinking I don't feel shit. And just like immediately, like, like immediately after I f- felt like I, I don't feel dr- like I'm going to g- pass out, I was fucking out hard. And, um, I felt like I wasn't out for that long. I felt like I fell out and it was black for a couple minutes at the most. And then I opened my eyes. Surgery is over. I'm laying on a table. Now I come, they gave me like fentanyl and they gave me something, the gas or something to knock me out. So I come out of it. And like I said, I have a theory. I'm pretty sure I have a horror, like a horribly, high tolerance of opioids through my years of hedonism. Like I'm total hedonist. Like I don't, I don't just use heroin. I use it to the fullest extent. <laughs> and so uh, I come out of it and there's people like not operating on me, but checking my vitals and stuff. And uh, I'm laying on a table and they're standing around me and standing around at monitors and looking at stuff. And I almost like, I was so out of it when I first woke up. I thought, I don't know what I thought. I thought I was like at work and like people were working, getting my job done. And I thought I just woke up from a nap and I thought I was sleeping on a job. So I was like, oh, fuck, I got to get up and help these people with whatever, whatever they're doing. So I tried to lean forward and get up. And one of the nurses or whatever saw that and like slammed me back down on the table. Like, no, don't get up. And I was like, ow, that hurts. (laughs) Cause it did. I just got cut the fuck open, and had my my large and whole my entire large intestine is just out is out of me, and um, and it fucking hurt, dude. I was like, ow, oh, that fucking hurts, and so I'm like crying and screaming, and so they go come over and they have um a liquid shot of Dilaudid, which I don't know if you know. You know, normally when you're not having surgery and you feel, you know, somewhat fine <laughs> physically, a shot of Dilaudid of like good, even oh, liquid Dilaudid, oh, it's fucking good shit. I used to slam Dilaudids 
good amount of times back in the day or snort them with an oxy or something. It's, it's great on its own, but it's even better when you <laughs> throw it in with some good Oxycontin and a good Dilaudid. Oh, mm, what can I say? <laughs> but she comes over and she's got this thing of liquid Dilaudid and it's she's, she twists it into like a Y valve in my IV and, and presses it in, gives me some Dilaudid. My fucking whole body still hurts. You know, I have like staples and stitches in me practically. And uh, there's tubes hanging, like coming out of like a whole, like they sliced open like my left side of my gut and there's a tube just coming out of my gut. I was like, oh my God, I feel like a freak show and I'm still in pain. You know, so like she gives me like a lot, like two or three more times. It must have been like 1.5 milligrams of Dilaudid because I think it was like 0.5 every time. It's like, all right, we'll give him one more because I was like, ow. And I wasn't doing it. Like, I swear to God, I swear. My hand, scouts on her. I wasn't doing it trying to get more Dilaudid. I was really in pain. I didn't even know the, like, I wasn't even thinking about the ways I could manipulate nurses and give me pain pills at that point. Cause I was literally, they were giving me Dilaudid and it didn't do shit. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. I really don't. I'm yeah. So finally they gave me, I think they gave me a benzol. So then I, I calmed down and they moved me back to my room and I'm sleeping. I wake up out of some crazy haze I'm in and dude, I've just the, like the next two days post-surgery, I remember I'm just in agonizing pain. I'm just like, dude, cause, and, and it didn't, it, for me, it didn't feel like normal. I'm like, why I'm in so much fucking pain. I felt like, all right, these guys are, are skimping out on pain meds. Cause they're like scared shitless of all these, do, you know, doctors arrests or something. And I'm just suffering in agony. In reality, I probably was just like, oh, they probably gave me the normal amount of, <laughs> narcotics they give to an average person who doesn't who didn't do drugs their whole life and it probably just doesn't do shit for me one or the other um but i'm you know i'm constantly calling the nurse i'm like dude this fucking really hurts like and i'm exhibiting like signs like body language you know like putting my feet up on my bed and having my knees up because my abdominals are so torn. Like they, they sliced them open. Like the scar on me is actually not that big. I don't know how they got my large intestine out of such a small scar, but fuck dude. They, they did a number. Cause I literally felt like, all right, I feels like I just got sliced. Um, and you know, they have such like strict put protocol on pain meds. Like I spent weeks after stroke, I'm like, oh, I don't know about pain meds. After I woke up from surgery, after they cut me open, I'm like, give me fucking pain meds. Give me fucking pain meds. Because, all right, you know, there's this whole, just on a side note, there's a whole fucking thing about, oh, you're in recovery. You have to tell the doctor, like, you're in recovery. You can't, you, you, you know. You know, if they prescribe you pain meds, it's not a relapse. We can't abuse it and blah, blah, blah. This whole fucking... I don't know if it's stigma or all these like rules with like what you do if you're, you know, I'm, I'm year over a year fresh in recovery. And so I held out until like, you know, you can't really hold out on surgery that it fucking hurts. So there's this one nurse, this, you know, white lady, this kind of kind of on a Karen level. And she wants to give me all these drugs 
that aren't opiates for my pain management post-surgery. One of them being fucking ketamine. So she wants to put liquid ketamine in my IV and it's got a, there's like pain button. Like every few minutes you can press it and get some more ketamine. And I'm like, dude, I do the last thing I want is to be stuck in a K hole while I'm in pain. I just won't be able to move or express them in pain. And I'll just be like a sloth just suffering. She gave me, um, Oh God. What's the fucking that, that hospital weed they give you. It's like synthetic, like hospital synthetic marijuana. Fuck. What's it called? God damn it. Now I have to look it up. Um, cause no shit. Ugh. Hold on. Hospital synthetic weed. Mm. You know, it come, when you Google synthetic weed, it comes up as K2 or spice. It's not, it wasn't K2 or spice. It was, ugh. God damn it. Anyway, it was, God, I'll fucking, you know what? I'll find it. No, you know, I don't remember the name. Um, Marinol. That's what it was. They were trying to give me, I think it was Mar. I think the name is Marinol. So it's basically like they've, in some, you know, science lab, they devise like synthetic THC in a pill form. Doesn't get you high, but all the fucking, you know, medicinal <laughs> effects of weed. I took that shit. I, it didn't help whatsoever. It didn't help with appetite. Didn't help. I didn't feel a goddamn thing. They, they stick this ketamine box. Like they have this liquid ketamine in a lock box that they stick on the, where my IV bags are. And it's locked away from everything. Like it's the most, it was the most secure like thing ever. And then they hooked up a button to it. And every few minutes I can press a button, put liquid ketamine in my IV. And you know, you know, ketamine or special K or whatever, that's the one drug I've never really done. So I don't know what it was like to be in a K hole. I had a few opportunities where I almost did it, but it wasn't really, <laughs> it, it, it's not really the preferred choice of drug to do, especially where I reside in California. Everyone's doing, you know, shooting up heroin, shooting up for smoking meth or doing goofballs, whatever. So, um, I'm do I'm on this special K and, uh, I feel nothing. I, th and I think, uh, every four hours are giving me liquid Dilaudid in my IV. Um, and it's doing all this shit is doing nothing. And on top of that, they're trying to give me, li uh, oral liquid oxycodone. So I get to take this liquid red liquid oxycodone every few hours that a day. And honestly, I don't, you know, everyone else thinks about it, like, oh, you get to get surgery and do all these drugs. Isn't that great? Well, no, because I, my body felt like ass, felt like I was just being taken apart. And, you know, all these drugs they throw at me, I'm like barely phased and still in agonizing pain. So they kept, uh, um, they were upping my Dilaudid, um, and I kept saying, dude, cause the one nurse, she doesn't she wants to do everything. Give me everything except, um, <laughs> she wants to give me everything except like things that are proven to like numb you out from, she, I'm like, dude, 
get this special K away from me. Get this ketamine away from me. I don't want the marinol. Take away the marinol. Take away the ketamine. And just give me like enough of these painkillers so I don't feel like I'm just in, like, I don't know, if I was in a lot of pain. And no one really wanted to do shit about it. So for days, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> like, moaning and groaning and just, in, ugh, it was horrible. So finally, they, they switch out. And they give, uh, God, they gave me a, a liquid Dilaudid in the same lockbox. They took out the ketamine and they have one giant thing of liquid Dilaudid in a lockbox. It was the most wonderful sight. My junkie <laughs> asked, uh, like, ex like saw in the hospital. I'm just like, thank God. So every few minutes I can press a pain button. On top of the, the pain button with that liquid Dilaudid, they're giving me additional liquid Dilaudid in my IV and liquid oxycodone. So before I know it, but, and I'm, you know, part of me is just like, uh, you know, I thought maybe that's, that's a little excessive, but a part of me was like, so out of it from all these drugs they threw at me before. I mean, it just was like a second pass in my mind and I'm like trying to make decisions, but I'm, I'm pretty out of it and I'm in pain still, but I'm out of it. <laughs> it was, it just sucks. Cause there's this, it was like, okay, I've explained I don't want to get on pain pills. Now I've had surgery and I'm on these pain pills, you know, after getting cut open. And uh, it, it went from like one extreme to the next, like pretty fast. Not that I intended or wanted it to, but it was just like, dude, I fuck, I'm fucking hurting. So they're giving me all this shit and I'm trying to like deal with shit. And for those that don't know, all right, this operation was having my um, having my intestine, entire large intestine removed, and then they take the small intestine and they stick it out of your gut, which is called like a stoma, and then I have I have what's a, called a, a ileostomy bag, which is a temporary ileostomy bag. So my butthole is temporarily out of commission it's like a colostomy bag but ileostomy bags in a different position i don't fucking know basically that's where i shit, shit out of for the next six months recover from in the meantime they take part of my large intestine and they create what's called a a j pouch which is like a homemade makeshift colon or butthole there's a colon um, and after I recover, which is pretty soon, but, um, the next surgery will be, they take out my, I get my colon removed. Cause that's, I guess that's part of my large intestine, have the J pouch put in. Once that's healed up, then they take my small intestine and remove my stoma or whatever, my ileostomy bag too. And they reconnect everything after the last surgery. And then after I recover, then I'm able to shit out of my own asshole again. Pretty extreme stuff. I know. Uh, and it, it's not fun to go through. And But I'm just so ready to get this over with. But um, anyways, so over the next week or two, I'm recovering. I'm on all these all this shit you know, which I'd never, I'd never had the intention to be on. I was, I came in just to get checked up on. And before I know it, all this shit happened. So 
you know, I'm, I've, at this point, you know, all kinds of crazy shit happens. Um, I know at one point, uh, I have like these IVs in my arm, but they're like more intense IVs. The one's called a midline, one's called a pick line. And there, it was like in like deep ve like veins in my body. One, it's one started like filling up with blood at one point and then it gave me another one. It was just like, fuck dude, how much shit is going to go wrong? And so I, you know, I don't remember every detail, but you know, I'm, Throughout these weeks, I'm seeing physical therapists again. I'm trying to walk around and get back into shape and heal up um, and do better. And then I'm seeing someone to, about how to do maintenance on my stoma and all this shit and getting checked in with the surgeon. Surgeon is doing check-ins and all this shit. And um, at one point, you know, uh, my stoma, it some, I somehow... I guess falls asleep. I guess that's common. You know, it works fine at first and then it falls from what I'm told the stoma fell asleep. And so the food I am eating, cause I'm on a regular diet at this point, it's not being, or the gas and the food is not being processed out my body. It's just, nothing is coming out of me, even though I'm eating, uh, which by the way, it sucks ass. So basically they were like, oh, this is not good. It'll, we have to re reawaken your stoma. So your digestive system starts moving again because you know, there's so much shit and gas built up in me. I start getting bloated and my stomach is bloated out so much. I'm like looking like I'm in the first trimester of pregnancy. Like my gut is sticking out. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? So now I'm cut off from food at this point. I can't eat food. I I can't eat food and what else? Fucking um I'm just laying there and no gas is coming out of my body. No fucking poop is coming out of me. And I think for a week to two weeks, you know, I'm I'm just ugh, I was in, I was miserable because you know, you get bloating from gas in your stomach and it's got nowhere to go. I was getting the worst cramps in my stomach as possible. It hurts. It was some of the worst pain I ever felt in my life. And so at night I'd be like begging for like help, you know, and they're throwing pain meds at me and they don't help with fucking bloating or all this shit. And so like at night is when it gets so bad. I'm like screaming, you know, like every, every time I get a cramp, like I just you hear, you would hear fucking screaming from my room. All the nurses could hear it. The people, <laughs> forgive me the people who had to like be in uh rooms next to me i literally they just had to hear me like moaning and screaming in pain many many times throughout the night it was so bad and you know uh opiates constipate you so that doesn't help with my whole situation i'm trying to get up and walk walk laps around the, the floor of the hospital because that lets you know, you try in attempts to like reawaken my whole digestive system, but I'm in so much pain and I'm so bloated at that point And I look like a hot mess. It was, and, and for days and like days, I have no, I'm on a diet where I can't have any food. I can only have a few sips of water a day. <laughs> so I'm not exactly hydrated because they don't want anything. They don't even want water in my system. Cause I, I mind you, my belly is just blah, so bloated. 
And, um, oh, fuck, dude. Those are just shit times. A lot of pain and suffering for my stupid, crazy ass. Finally, though, after like this, this uh, a week after, I could go through a week of this shit. Um, I've been, you know, walking a few times a day and doing all the shit. But, yeah, finally my stoma reawakens, I guess. And I start, f- you know, farting and shitting like everyone, every other, you know, living human being out there. Or whatever, animal, whatever. And uh, so... I'm finally on a road where I can start recovering physically, Ugh. mentally I, for the first couple weeks, I couldn't even look down and see my like core abdomen region. Cause it just looked like a fucking freak show. There's a fucking tube coming out of my stomach and like, you know, there's liquid coming out of me in this tube and I have to empty it every now and then. Cause I guess, you know, your body inflames a little when you have, you're getting operated on and it produces liquid uh, when you do that, and they had to drain it out of me, um, and my stoma is like just fucking ugh. looks like part of your guts are coming out of you. It's fucking horrible, and um, yeah, it was just ugh. Blech. Oh, I had a, my second catheter uh, right after surgery, and let me say, I thought the first time I had a catheter taken out was bad. This dude who took my catheter out, he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He was going super slow. And I was like, all right, just <laughs> like, just fucking pull it out of me already, dude. Like you've already gone this far. Just get the rest out. Let's get this over with. And he's like, hold on, hold on. He gets up and he gets some kind of lube and he squirts it in the tube. I shit you not. It goes, this lube goes into my dick hole. It hurts a million times worse. I'm like, just fucking pull it out. <laughs> And he does. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I never saw that nurse, the dude nurse ever again. Probably because he knows. Like, oh, I didn't. I fucked up this time. It was, God, why? Why Why have I had so many tubes in my dick hole? Why have I had my so many things in my butthole? I feel like every part of my body has been penetrated with surgical objects of some sort. And so, catheter's out. Stoma's reawakened. And during this process, they're tapering me down off of these um, opiates. So every few days, I'm getting either less, this much point milligram, zero point milligrams of dilated less, or uh, instead of every f- few hours, it's double that, you know. And they're tapering my pain box down, so I get less shit in my on the pain button for my dilated and their um. And I'm trying to work with them and be like, all right, just give me a heads up so I can, because I know. I'm like, all right, they're tapering to lauded after, you know, this much time. I'm going to feel like shit or at the very least, like the pain from the surgery is going to feel worse than it did, you know, before when I was on this much meds. I'm like I've definitely built up a physical tolerance. And so, you know, day by day I'm getting... You know, they, they stopped giving me liquid oxy. I was like, all right, take me off the liquid oxy first because it does nothing for me. And then let's focus on getting off the dilated last. Like, take all this other shit away. Whatever pain pill or whatever bullshit you're trying to give me, take that away. And then we'll focus on the dilated because that was like the main thing they were giving me. So I get off, I finally get off of um, the 
the pain button and the giant dilated box. Unfortunately, that thing was glorious. And um, then they start giving me less uh, dilated, and I'm on no oxy at that point. Uh, I, they switched from liquid dilated to oral instead of putting it in my IV because. You know, when you put something in the IV, it's basically like shooting up. It's going into a needle in your in your arm or hand somewhere. So they went from liquid dilated to oral, like pill dilated. Um, and so I'm on these pills of dilated, and they're tapering me down. And I know it's like it sucks and it is not comfortable physically, but I know like the ultimate like physical shittiness is when I go cold turkey off off the rest of it. Um, and I'm, I'm still getting cramping and I in pain and you know, they what helped me more than dilated was the, they had liquid Tylenol they'd put in my IV that got the inflammation down. And I would be like, dude, just give me liquid Tylenol. Like, I don't care about other drugs. Like this helps with my pain. This gets the inflammation down. I don't feel like, I'm being, my insides are being like torn from the inside. Um, so, and no shit. They told me after a few, you know, getting enough liquid dilated, they're like, oh, well, you know, we want, we'll, we'll give you, they tried to give me like oral liquid, or not, not liquid um, dilated, liquid Tylenol. Instead of giving me the liquid Tylenol on my V, they tried to give me like Tylenol on a pill or a liquid I would take orally. And that shit did nothing. And I was like, can't you just give me the liquid Tylenol in my IV? And they basically told me, yeah, we, we want, we would, but it's too expensive. And I'm like, well, I have fucking insurance. So give me the, you know, like, our healthcare is such shit. They'd rather give me Dilaudid, Oxycodone, uh, Ketamine, <laughs> fucking hospital weed pills, all this shit. Oh, Yeah. My insurance from my job covers all that, but liquid Tylenol in my IV, no, no, it's too expensive. Can't give you that. I was like, what the fuck? So I was so fed up with this place. And um, I think the worst part of this was like towards the last weeks. By then, I've spent like seven weeks in the hospital. You know, got through the third week and I have surgery. And I've been in there for weeks post-surgery because like then my stoma fell asleep and they're doing all this maintenance on me. They don't... And every... You know, every time that, you know, I see my surgeon or a doctor, they're like, oh, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks you'll get out. And then the next time I see him, oh, you know, in a, in a week or so you'll get out, you know. And I'm like, well, when is the actual date where I get the fuck out of here? And I'm always being like, just like, sh I can never, it's always such a vague af answer. It's like, well, we don't know. We got to make sure you're okay and make sure this is that we are not there yet. So finally, it's come down to like, all right, in the next few days or, you know, you'll probably get out of here. And so I'm excited. I'm like, all right, get me the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> by this point, I've lost, I've lost a shit ton of weight. I, I swear I lost because I wasn't eating. They wouldn't give me any food for almost a, a week. I'm on like a few sips of water a day. <laughs> Look like a fucking mess. Ugh. This is, this is horrible. And so, um, uh, by that point, I, I think the day came that they before had said, Oh, you'll probably get out around this day. 
I see, I see them that day. I see my doctor and I'm like, so I'm getting out today, right? And they're like, oh, well, we want to keep you for a few more days. And by that time, dude, seven weeks in the hospital. Dude, I'm, uh, I'm done. <laughs> I was so... Like I've been, I haven't been outside for seven weeks. Like I was going fucking crazy. And so I'm like, dude, well then I'm signing out cause I can't fucking be, I'm like so sick of this place. I don't care that you're giving me Dilaudid. I don't care that you're giving me Oxy. It didn't do, barely did shit. I just want to go like home. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you say you're going to sign out or you want to like, I don't know, I don't know, like, make a complaint, you're like, I want to leave, they get a doctor, or a nurse, or, a, you know, assistant, and they're like, no, don't leave, you need to do this, and this, and then, like, first few times of them coming there, I was talked into staying another day or so, I'm like, fine, but then, on that day, I'm leaving, no matter what the fuck you say, because you say, right now, I can leave on that day, I don't need no other, like, surprise bullshit coming up, Explaining to me, oh, well, now you have to stay in a hospital, like, prison longer. You know, because at that point, it very much so feels like you're in a fucking prison. Or a jail, you know. It's almost worse. It's like, it's pretty much like solitary. You have your TV and your phone, and it's not as bad. It's like, all right, it's not as bad, but it's like, dude, you're for you're forced into having to take these medications, like... And I wasn't just on pain pills. I was on fucking steroids for my fucking inflammation. I was on blood thinners. I'm on all, like, they're making me, you know, low potassium. So I'm all, giving me so much shit. Like, pills and different shit. Like, ugh. I was fucking, it was, it was a really dark part of my life. And, um... Which is why this whole story, I was like, ugh, I don't want to relive it. I don't want to tell it. I don't even know why I decided to fucking make it an episode. But it, it just came to mind. <laughs> I don't know. Here we are. Um, Finally, one day, or the last day. Hold on. Ugh, this is a horrible story. Good Lord. So finally, on the day they're saying they're releasing me, or I'm being discharged from the hospital, I'm being told that I have to stay another few days. And I'm like, dude, no, I'm signing out. So then they have like three nurses stand around me, stare at me while one's trying to convince me to stay. And I'm like, dude, no, no, there's, I'm done. You can't, I, I'm literally not staying here any longer. I was on, fuck, I was on down to like 0.5 of Dilaudid every four hours. That was like the lo lowest of pain drugs I was on in the hospital. And so they're trying to be like, oh, well, if we if we discharge you now, we can't guarantee we'll get, you'll have take-homes for, for pain pills. And, you know, they're trying to hold, dangle pain pills over me like that'll get me to stay in the hospital. I really don't give a shit at this point because i am been tapering and, like, having minor physical withdrawals from these fucking pain meds for, like, God knows how long they started tapering me. So I already knew, like, I already felt like shit. I already knew I was going to feel like shit whether I was at the hospital or not. So I'm like, dude, 
I don't give a fuck about take-homes. Let me go. And finally, they um, they check in with uh, the head doctors and the head surgeon. And she's like, all right, just let him, let him sign out. He's been here for seven weeks. Like, he's he can recuperate at home. And so finally, they're like, all right, they discharged me. So it wasn't like I signed out. I was discharged. Uh, they had all these take-home meds for me. Um, it was mainly like these blood thinners at, at many points and many weeks throughout the hospital that I was on one blood thinner and it was called uh, Lovenox. It's not an oral pill you take. It literally is a, a, a shot, almost like an insulin shot. You just stab it into your stomach and <laughs> administer a blood thinner that way. And whoever, um, whichever doctor was checking out my clotting and whatever, my neurologist, he, he, he didn't want to put me on any other blood thinner. It's like, you have to no you can't be on the pill blood thinners. He, you have to be on the blood thinner where you stab yourself in the stomach. We're pretty, pretty close inches away where you had surgery and just muscle it in your stomach. I was like, ugh, it was, yeah. I don't know about you. I do not like needles, you know, after getting clean, uh, sticking a needle in my arm is not fun. Draw, get, giving blood is not fun. Uh, the only times I got any satisfaction or obsession over a needle pricking my arm is when I you know, pull the plunger back and it fills up with blood and I push it in and then I get loaded. Now I already know, like already needles going in my arm. That's not going to happen. It's just going to be, it's going to feel shitty. And then they're going to dig around my arm. So, and not only that, it's like, this isn't even right. You can't even register. You have to inject it in your like stomach fat. It is so it was, and they had um, those fucking numbing patches all over my stomach. They're giving me that every day. Uh, got it. Whatever. I forget what the, they're, those are called. So at least that helped a little. But I'm just like, Ugh, get me out of here. So they gave me Lovenox shots. I had to administer myself at take take home. They had me on the few drugs that I was tapering off of, like the steroid and the blood thinner. And then they had, um, they're like, well, we could get you 30 Dilaudids to take home. But we don't think you can get any refills. You have to do this for refills or whatever. I, I wasn't even listening to him. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was p packing my shit. Give me my fucking, um, you know, my take-homes or whatever the fuck you want to do. Let me get out of here. In this mean, you know, in this process, I'm basically um, calling people for to get a ride home because my, you know, I can't be, I have to have a ride home or they won't let me leave. Finally, um, you know, and this is a weird part of the story, which needs its own little segment. Um, I get a, t a text from my, one of my roommates, I'm not going to say who, but, um, he, or a mess, a Facebook message. And he's, he, he, I'm letting him know, like, yeah, I'm getting released and he messages me. He messages me saying something along the lines like, "Well, and he, I didn't even tell him I was getting prescribed take home opiates or whatever, but you know, pills are his drug of choice." And he was messaging me saying he doesn't know, he doesn't feel comfortable with me coming home if I'm gonna get prescribed like pain pills. Um. And so by this time, I've already tapered off as many pain pills as possible, and I'm not feeling in the best shape. I'm not exact. I'm not like 
full-blown dope sickness because it's t- a taper and I'm still getting like 0.5 dilated every four hours. But I don't feel too great. I'm already trying to come off these pain pills and the place I pay rent at, my roommate's saying he doesn't feel comfortable. He doesn't feel comfortable with me going to my own home. And I've already dealt with so much shit with trying to get discharged from this place and that they're giving me the runaround about. So I was not in the best mood, but I'm just like, dude, I pay rent there. I've every right to go to the house I pay rent at. And so we got in this kind of argument about it. And so then I got the idea to call my parents to get for them to pick me up and I could stay with my parents for a while. That's my, this was my idea. I'll go chill with my parents, recover from this this crazy operation and I'll taper off with whatever is whatever Dilaudid they had given me. It's like, I'll taper off those and I'll go through this dumb detox at my parents' house. And then my roommate won't be made to feel uncomfortable with me having being prescribed anything because I'll be out of my prescription and I'll be off all these stupid fucking pain meds they were putting me on. And so that's what I did. I, my parents picked me up. I left. And then for the next week to week and a half, two weeks, I tapered off the rest of the, of the Dilaudid that they gave me. I think they, yeah, they gave me 30, like, it was like 0.5 milligrams, which I was, I was, you know, by then I was still used to getting them, taking them every four hours, but I was trying to take them less and less. Finally, I'd run out. Um, and for that whole week, I was just like, well, I'm going to feel real shitty. <laughs> Not as shit. I mean, trust me, this, this whole process of me detoxing off of these, this just bullshit wasn't like my worst dope sickness coming off of age or whatever, but it wasn't pleasant. Let me say that much. Um, but I had gotten off of them. Hold on one sec. Sorry. I need to vape. Um, so by this point, this is like the last of the story. By this point, I'm off... I'm off all the Dilaudid. It's been a week. I'm feeling normal again. I'm walking around. And I get a text from said roommate. And we get in this conversation. Or I get actually it wasn't a text. I get an email. Not even a text. A fucking email. <laughs> saying I, I don't feel comfortable with you living here anymore. It was like, it was like well dude. You didn't feel comfortable with me going there when I, they prescribed me Dilaudid's I tapered off the Dilaudid and detoxed off all of it away from the place I pay rent and live at for your benefit and I still am I guess they had this insecurity because I didn't really communicate oh I'm detoxing because when you're detoxing like, you don't want to be on your phone you sweat it out but he was under the influence of, like, oh, I was going to get all these take-homes for Dilaudid. It's like, no. They're, they're pretty strict on that shit. And so I was like, you're concerned about Dilaudid and stuff, but I'm on, not on Dilaudid. <laughs> I'm clean, and I'm not, you know, doing anything. 
And uh, plus, I didn't do anything to break the lease. I didn't like I've always been paying rent on time. I've always been. So by then I was just like, you know, I don't need to deal with this animosity. Because even if I'm like, well, you can't kick me out because I didn't do anything. So how about that? Take it to small claims court. And then just live it, having a roommate who's just like, this is an uncomfortable feeling when you're living around someone who wants you to move out for whatever they're, which I think is b- bullshit reason, but it is whatever, you know. Um, so I had moved, you know, a week or two after getting out of the hospital, recovering from that, getting off all these meds, uh, which is not fun, you know, and as a hair, a recovering heroin addict, given these opiates and having a take like a semi, semi minuscule taste of what that life was like and knowing what it was like and having the tiniest glimpse of like, of what it, what it almost was like. And then just, all right, well now I'm going to be clean. Now you gave me like some, (laughs) some mini heroin from the hospital. Um, You know, I'm still clean. (laughs) And apparently from what I've been told, I'm still, you know, retain my clean time. So thank you. Thank you. I'm still clean. I didn't go actively out and seek heroin, I guess. And, um, even though I was get you know, prescribed opiates, opioids, whatever the fuck that doesn't mean, I guess relapse means you go out and actively get higher, whatever, whatever. If a trained professional is administering that mother and I don't even care, honestly, I really don't give a shit what anyone thinks. Oh, you're not, you weren't, you don't have the same clean time. You did this. I don't fucking care because I don't know. Fuck it, dude. Like I don't even give a fuck about clean time. It's like you're clean and you don't go out and do that shit or you do like either put a needle in my arm over something I cook or I don't like, I don't care. Like I have two years. I've seen people who had 25 years go back out like hard and they didn't come back, you know? Um, so I really don't give a sh like, and I, I, maybe I do like my own insecurity I know my part of my own insecurity was like thinking like, oh, people in the quote unquote fellowship that you've developed these close relationships with have these weird, um, you know, preconceived notions about who you are now because you went through all this shit. It's like, I really didn't choose to like have a stroke and have to have my, (laughs) my large intestine removed. I really didn't really wake up one day and said like, Oh man, I want to bleed out of my asshole for six months off of like this incurable, like her genetic, like fucking disease. No, no, I really didn't. And so part of me is like, you know, if someone thinks I don't have the same clean time, then fuck them or whatever, you know? Uh, I didn't, I didn't get out of the hospital and go out and immediately just like, you know, I'm going to score dope and get back in the game. So I don't know, whatever you think about it, I respect it. But honestly, like I it just, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if people think I'm clean or not. Um, but anyway, now we're led up to the present all pretty much present where it's been a few weeks. I had another little incident happen where 
I woke up one night and looked down and my stoma had uh, prolapsed. I guess think think of like a butthole prolapsing, but it's like your guts. So basically where my stoma is, it, it came out further and it looked like my guts had come out of my stomach. It was disgusting. And my ileostomy bag had, had, had some blood in it and it was just graphic and horrible looking. And this is at like 1130 at night. I wake up and look down and just like my guts are hanging out of my body. Not a good, not a good time. So I had to rush down to the ER at the hospital where my surgeon is like an hour down south. All the time I was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. You know, they instantly give me a benzo because I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And they give me Dilaudid. And I go into a second surgery where they trim up my stoma and fix it. Honestly, they, from the, what I've been told, they don't know what caused the prolapse. I don't. Usually people who push too hard when they poop or people who are obese from what they said get prolapsed stomas. They don't know why I have it because I'm not obese. Um, well, I am, but I had lost so much weight. I'm just like this skinny bastard. And so they fixed me up. And so I recover from that and the say, I already know, like I'm back. I'm like, fuck dude. Like, like a month out of getting out of the hospital, I'm back in for a second emergency surgery. Like, fuck when this is going to be, when is this going to be over? I'm so done. So then I, you know, not only that, but they now, now, Oh, back on the liquid Dilaudid, they're giving me, you know, pill pain pills. Cause I had another surgery. It wasn't, it wasn't as major just like operating on some things, fixing me back up. And the same bullshit happens where they, they say, Oh, you're going to get out in a couple days. Oh, you're going to get out tomorrow. Oh, we're going to keep you longer. And so the first couple times I'm like, all right, I'll stay one more day. But the day after that, I am signing myself out no matter what you guys say. And I was like, okay, okay. And that day comes and like, Oh yeah, I need to stay longer. Like, no, I'm signing out. And then they were like trying to, argue with me or convince me to stay. I'm like, you guys kept telling me definitely getting out on this day. You're only keeping me to check like how hydrated I am. Like I can hydrate at home and they keep giving me bullshit things. I'm like, no, we're signing out. Fortunately, my um, surgeon comes in, takes a look at me and they're like, all right, we think you're good. We'll discharge you. And um, I get out <laughs> It's so fucking crazy. My life changes has changed so much since I got out of rehab. But I get out from the second surgery because I I don't want like I've been there a few days. I was there for a few days, and I was like, all right, they're putting me on back on pain pills. I don't want that to happen. So that had another thing to do. Like you really don't need to build up another tolerance of these stupid fucking pills they want me to take that are going to get me dope sick. And so I get, I detox again. It's not as major, but then I got off the pain pills again. And, uh, and so I've been doing like every couple weeks or every couple months, I go in and see, um, doctors to get checked up on and get stupid tests done. And I was on disability for a while. Cause you were recovering from all that shit. Um, and I'm, basically been told oh you're safe to like go do normal physical activities like three days into like <laughs> helping clean out our storage unit i just feel like i pulled a muscle in, around my stoma and i feel like 
And then I could barely, I was in so much pain, I could barely lean forward. Um, I just felt like my insides were all fucked up. And so now I'm taking it easy again. Uh, because, God damn it, I really, would really, it would really be awesome if I don't have to go back to the hospital for right now. It, what is it? I was like, November now? I missed Halloween, I'm sorry, by the way. So Halloween stories, I'll have to hold off. Uh, but... It's looking like in the next two months, in like beginning in January, I go back in to see how much, re- how recovered I am to try and get into my second surgery. So I have about two months. These next two months, I'm just going to try and get back into shape, eat right, and be healthy or whatever. So I can get the second surgery over with recover and then do the last surgery and be done because good fucking grief I am so ready for this whole process to be over with it is nice having time to like do shit that I I wasn't able to do as much when I'm working my ass off full time but at the same time years of balance you know only so much time sit you know relaxing at home and doing shit before you get, you know, cabin fever, cabin fever, bored on your mind. And just like, dude, I need to do shit. It's also weird being up North right now, you know, away from Santa Barbara where I was living and I'd spent the last year and I'm back in the more central coast where I haven't kept up to date with a lot of my friends And, you know, crazy shit's been happening up here, so I don't really feel, like, comfortable going out and socializing. I don't know who relapsed. I don't know who is doing good. I know, like, a few people that are doing good and have great and then, you know, being still clean. You know, I know a few people that relapse and I'm wary because I don't want to, obviously don't want to be around that because there's dope in front of me and who knows the fuck will happen. Um, just as susceptible to picking up as anyone else. And, you know, there was this thing that happened where there was someone I knew wasn't the best, best friends with, but I'd known him from drug programs and stuff and friends of friends. He would get high and I'd get high, but I guess he had, well, from what I'd heard and from what I've read in articles, this person I knew had witnessed a stabbing in a Tascadero. And I think they were trying to get his testimony or something because some person stabbed someone he knew. That person who witnessed the stabbing ended up going missing for a, like 30 days, almost 30 days. Ends up they finally found his body in Riverside. It was chopped up in little pieces in, in some apartment in Riverside. And so, uh, it's been, ugh, being up here has been weird, but being down, I think being anywhere is weird right now. You know, I've, I've never experienced mourning more people dying than this last year. So, I can't even keep an accurate track of how many people have died from an overdose in this last year, especially these last, like, six to eight months. And, um... 
let's see, you know, people died from suicide who had, who were actually clean and were so, you know, who knows in this horrible mindset and they took their own life who had, they were family members, fathers, and who knows. And, you know, people getting stabbed and shot. There's a, sh there's a shooting up in, up north in Paso or Atascadero just the other week. People getting chopped up and their bodies hidden. Like that's, and that's, and that's not uncommon. Like I, I've had episodes with my ex-girlfriend and she talked about the same thing. Oh yeah. My, these people I used to party with, they were high and they chopped up this dude and killed him and hit him in a fucking ice chest. Like, and they're another in prison. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and I don't mean to laugh. I have this awkward laugh where I, I, I laughed as like a weird reaction to fucked up shit. And that's not, it's not like I think it's actual funny, but, um, it's just like so dark. I'm like, Oh, um, but no, it's been pretty fucked up. And, uh, now it's like, all right, finding my next path, finding my role. The only thing I'm really focused on is like getting as in the best shape I can for these neck surgeries and getting them done out of my way with no problems or as little problems as possible during it and uh, working on projects. So I don't know, you guys, uh, th that's basically the reason, the main reason why I've been out, uh, like out of commission for not completely, but haven't produced weekly episodes, not in as much contact with my friends who I graduated rehab with. They're working full time and I'm doing all this crazy shit, but I'm reconnecting with my clean friends up here, up North, trying to get them on if they're comfortable talking about cr the, cr the craziest shit ever. We'll see. Um, I'm, you know, working on other projects that I'll, I'll talk about in the future on here, but that's basically what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I went dark on the internet f for a long time. When I stopped doing the podcast, I was not communicating with anyone, not answering messages, not doing shit, which by the time this episode's released, I'm going to try and get back into that. Um, it's just like, I was just like, I need to f totally focus on myself and a part of me definitely self isolated to unhealthy extremes. So I had to like pull myself out of that because when you're stuck in your own head for so long, I mean, I definitely feed myself some bullshit from time to time and get and convince myself that just life is just completely shitty. And you know, I think the worst about things. So I need to constantly like get, out of that weird shell and get back out there and socialize. <sighs> so that's where we're at today. And that's basically the story of where the fuck I've been for all these, all this time when I wasn't releasing episodes. So now that that story is told, finally, thank God, I hope people listening get a better understanding for what the fuck has been going on with me. Um, I won't try and say like it's easy or I haven't had cravings through this time. I had some pretty bad cravings and was able to maneuver my way out of it doing waiting 10 minutes or just whatever I could, thing I could do talking to certain people that I'm really close to. 
Um, you know, I have a, I have a therapist cause my dumb ass is so fucked up in the head. Uh, I benefit from having one. Um, and that's pretty much where I'm at today. Uh, but it's fucking weird. Basically being in this weird, you know, standstill kind of situation where I'm anticipating having to go under the knife again, getting, giving, getting like opioids given to me and then detoxing off of them. I have to do that two more fucking times. I'm just, I'm anticipating that cause that's not the easiest thing to do, especially with <laughs> my track record for abusing pretty much everything. I'm having to like enforce all this discipline on me and stuff. <sighs> but it is what it fucking is. Shit happens, I guess. Um, and that, that's the cards I've been dealt. So I'm trying to make the best of this and go from there. Um, and I don't want to get too much else into it or that much deeper into it, but that's the fucking story. So with that, I am hungry and I ordered pizza the other day. I'm going to go cook some fucking leftovers and get fat because I had lost a lot of weight. <laughs> at the uh, hospital I gained almost all of it back yes I'm back to <laughs> my fat self but I'm, I'm not quite there so I need to get fatter and um, that's what I'm going to do oh and I'm going to you know chain vape and drink coffee thinking that's going <laughs> to help me get shit done um, so anyway I'm out I'm, I'm gone I'm getting the fuck out of here I I hope you are all doing good out there. I love you. I'm going to this weekend. I swear to God, I'm getting back on to respond and do social media shit. I'm doing because that's going to take a whole day. Responding to emails, people have emailed me wanting to come on the podcast. All this shit that I put off, I'm working back on again. I'm get, so you know, I hope anyone is still <laughs> listening to this podcast. Because I'm sure people have got disinterested with Nod Squad. After a while, they're just like, he doesn't really shit anymore. Like, why do I care? Well, I'm looking for good stories and going from there. So, I'm out of here. I don't have much else to say. I love you guys. Um, uh, what else do I want to say? Oh, dude, there is something I want to say. Okay, so. I want to shout out. My friend, my boy Austin, for his birthday. Happy birthday. And let's... What else do I want to do? Um, hmm. I want to... Oh, my buddy... God, this is fucked up. I want to give my respects to the uh, my friend William's family uh, who had passed away from an overdose... Um, I don't want to give all this information, but William and anyone who, you know, knew him close and loved him, give my respects and I'm greatly sorry for your loss and it sucks to lose another person, to, you know, overdose. It was, uh, I don't, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't get into the like relapsing and how he relapsed, if, especially if someone's died, but respects to him. Happy birthday, Austin. And I'm, that's about it. I don't know. I have 
of other shit we I'll talk about, but I'm kind of tapped out, emotionally exhausted from telling this three part fucking story that's taking me, you know, months to fucking get out there. And I'm just glad that story's over so I can move on to talking about robbing drug dealers and other horrible shit I've done. There's other stories I want to tell and I'm contemplating whether or not they're too incriminating or this too debaucherous for to have out there. So we'll see. Um, so I'm out with that said. I've talked long enough. I love you guys. And as always, peace, love, and all the above.